Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America on this Tuesday night, just two weeks before Election Day, midterms of 2022. Critically important days ahead of us. Now is the time to get out voters in as large numbers as you can. Do everything you possibly can, brothers and sisters. Uh, It's not just about our own individual votes. It's about how many people we can influence, how many votes we can can gather, how many people we can motivate. Uh, We're going to talk tonight about uh, an interesting question. Surprising, perhaps, in its answer, what is the most important thing we have to be considering as we urge people to vote? We've got to get them thinking beyond the candidate. Now, that might be seem odd to people, it might be counterintuitive. Well, of course, the candidate matters. Isn't that the whole idea? We got to get the right candidates in. Well, actually, the point I want to make with you tonight is that it's not the candidate at this juncture that matters the most. And I'll explain more about what I mean uh, after we do our, our reading and uh, prayer. Let's go to uh, the book of Psalms. And I want to read some of Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, wrapped in light as in a garment. You pour springs of water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, They are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to renew the face of the earth. Renew the face of the nation. Send forth your spirit into our own minds and hearts, into our families and our churches, and send your spirit into the halls of government, into the legislatures, into the executive mansions, into the courts. And Lord, send your spirit into the voting booth. Send your spirit to the polling places. Purify them of any wrongdoing. Fill them with justice, truth, righteousness, fairness, honesty, transparency, participation eagerly on the part of your people to do what is right. Send forth your spirit to the polling places. Lord God, purify them of every and any evil. Make these elections a reflection 
of your glory and of the virtue of your people, because we know that in elections, the people that we elect are a reflection of us who elect them. Their virtue or lack thereof is not only a judgment on them, but on us. Send forth your spirit. Renew our nation. Renew the face of the earth. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. What do I mean when I say it's not the candidate that matters most? Brothers and sisters, we've got a divided Senate. And we've got several states where the Senate race, U.S. Senate race, is going to be determinative of the outcome. Several states in which we have got a not only divided Senate, we've got a divided race. And so many of the polls are very, very close. Of course, close polls tend to mean that we're ahead. That's a different conversation. But the point is that uh, many of these many of these races are just too close to call. Um, the momentum is on our side. Any kind of movement that we've been seeing lately has been in our direction. But I want to point out to you that the key question that you need to ask if you're in one of these key Senate states, and we're talking about states like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona. Let's just stick with those for the moment. You're in these states. You know what? The quality of the candidate is not what you have to be thinking about at this point. It's the balance of the Senate. The balance of power in the Senate. Whom your state elects to the Senate, let's say you're in Pennsylvania, whom you elect to the Senate is going to impact Alaska and Maine. It's going to determine what life in the United States is going to be like in New York and in Connecticut, in California and in Texas, in Nebraska and in South Dakota. Understand the implications of the United States Senate going either into under, uh, under the control of the Republicans or staying under the control or being even more under the control of the Democrats, and we'll explain that in a moment. In fact, let's go over to the, the whiteboard and, 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 and illustrate a little bit more about what, we're, about what we're saying. All right, so we've got 100 senators in the U.S. Senate. That's how it's constructed, two from each state. Let's, uh, let's just draw a little image here like this split it right down the middle, and talk about red and blue. 50 Republican senators, 50 Democrat. And when we say 50 Democrat, it's, it's 50 who caucus with the Democrats. It's actually like 48 Democrats and two independents who vote with the Democrats. But for all practical purposes, we say 50-50, right? All right, so you've got all these senators, right? Two from each state, red and blue split right down the middle. 
And on, not on everything, but on most things, a vote in the Senate is going to require a majority. Not on everything. There's certain things where, where a supermajority is required. There's other things that two-thirds are required. How many votes are required in the Senate to pass something depends on what the something is. So keep that in mind, too. But if you think in terms of what happens when you get to the magic number 51, well, a lot of things happen and a lot of things change. Now, in the case of a 50-50 scenario like we have now, the vice president casts the tie-breaking vote. If there's a 50-50 vote on something that requires a majority, the VP, which in this case, of course, is Democrat, gets the, um, the 51st vote. The question in this election, let me put it over here, is what state will send the 51st vote to the Senate? That affects the whole country. Doesn't matter if the local clown from the circus is elected. You could have the best, brightest, most virtuous, most experienced, most promising, uh, uh, most accomplished candidate that you elect to the United States Senate in your state, or you could literally have the clown from the local circus. But if they're under either D or R, they are going to shift, all things being equal, they're going to shift the balance of power in that United States Senate. And that empowers every single one of the, all the other 99, either giving them more authority and influence or less. What happens when the balance of power shifts? Right now, because again of the tie-breaking power of the vice president, you've got functionally... Democrat control, although when it's 50-50, there are certain agreements that need to be made. It's called power sharing uh, agreements, and, and it gets a little bit complicated. But it, for all practical purposes, the Democrats have um, control here. But if you start talking about a 51-49 difference, either way, all kinds of things begin to change. First of all, you end up having the, um, well, let's look at how legislation comes about and how the committees function. In order for a law to get voted on by the Senate, and of course it has to be passed by the Senate, it has to be passed by the House, the diversions of the law, the wording has to be reconciled, and then it goes to the desk of the president. But before it even gets a vote, it goes through a whole process, and that involves committees, different committees of senators that handle different topics. But those committees, brothers and sisters, are controlled by one or another party. And it's the party that's in the majority that ends up controlling the committee, because let's say the committee consists of um, 21 people, right, 21 senators. Well, you're going to have 11 and 10. You're going to have 11 of the members from the majority party, 10 
from the minority party, and you're going to have a situation where whatever party has that 51, they're calling the shots. They're determining whether a piece of legislation either gets out of the committee and goes to the whole Senate for a vote or gets stuck in the committee and never comes out, doesn't advance beyond that. In other words, they don't even need 51 senators on their side. They just need the 11 that are on the committee. But it's the party that's in control. It's the party that is in the majority. That 51 makes a difference for every single committee. And the question of whether or not that legislation will come to a vote of the entire Senate. Who's in the majority determines the leadership of the Senate. You've got the what's called the majority leader. Very powerful uh, position in the government. Of course, on the House side, of course, we don't expect the uh, the House to be, and the House is very, very closely divided, by the way, of course, as you know, but we don't expect uh, uh, the kind of nail-biter that the, 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 the Senate is showing us in this election. And, and yet the same principle applies, right? If you have a house race anywhere in the country that is going to be determined, that is going to determine because of the uh, division in the house of what party controls it is going to determine which party has the majority and any house district could, could, could theoretically do that. And they all count towards who has the majority. You're talking about, again, something that affects the entire nation. Because remember, this little R here and this little D over here, you know, some people like to say, oh, well, you know, what really matters is not the R and the D, it's the candidate. Well, excuse me, it's the other way around. Because let's say on the issue I uh, deal with full-time on the abortion issue. You know, some people will come along and they'll say, of course, they, we can't find them anymore, but let's say, oh, yeah, well, this person's a Democrat, but, you know, he's a pro-life Democrat. Uh, you know, I want to vote for the Democrat because he's a pro-life Democrat. First of all, find me one and, you know, <laughs> put on my, you know, take out my camera and, you know, it's like going hunting for a rare species, you know, out in the Amazon somewhere. Um but see, that's not the point. That that what it's not the point. What position that one candidate takes? Because if by electing that person you put the Democrats under control, you think any pro-life legislation is going to get out onto any of these committees? In other words, you have taken away the power of all forty-nine in this case of these pro-life senators. They can't pass any legislation, and even if it gets out of committee, well. You're, 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 you're dealing with, uh, it's not going to get out of committee. Brothers and sisters, understand what I'm saying here. Because some people, especially with these Senate races, they're going to say, oh, yes, well, you know, but, but this candidate has this flaw and that flaw, and they don't like the way he speaks, and he wrote an article over here that was terrible, and he didn't do so good in the debate, and I don't like this, and I don't like that. It doesn't matter. Let's get it clear in our minds. It could be the local clown. The question here is, which party is going to control the Senate? Because this little R and this little D represent an entire worldview. Read the platforms. Read the strategy documents. Read what they think about 
religious freedom, read what they think about the border, about national security, about the military, about the economy, about our place in the world, about the greatness of America, about how your children and grandchildren should be educated. What is the worldview of the party? Because here's the other reality. And I'll just write it clear across here. Party line voting. What do I mean? It has become more and more axiomatic that a vote in the Senate, and we see the same thing in the House, is going to come down based on party line. You, you look at the votes that have been taken on any number of issues, and I don't even ever have to have read a word or heard a sentence from a senator on what they think about that issue and nine times out of ten, I could tell you how they voted on in that vote. Because they because I know this part of it. If you know the worldview, if you know the platform, if you know what the position of the party is, then nine times out of ten, that senator voted according to party line. What's the party's position? Again, take abortion as one of the clearest examples. You can count on one hand and usually on half a hand how much crossover there is that a Republican would vote pro-abortion or a Democrat would vote pro-life. Essentially, it doesn't happen. So I could never have heard in my life a particular senator talking about abortion. I might not have read a single sentence. And if you tell me the Senate voted on this or that aspect of abortion, I can tell you how that senator voted. And the local town clown will vote the same way. In a sense, you can say, you know, are we electing people who are exercising their independent judgment on all these issues, no matter what their party leadership says? No. You might as well be electing voting machines, automatic voting machines. Just click, button, click, button, button, automatic. You might as well, because it's party line voting. Now, there are exceptions here and there. Yeah, but the exception proves the rule. We're talking about the way things are actually happening here most of the time. More than most, like I say. There's a few exceptions, few exceptions. So back to the question of the election. You're voting in Pennsylvania. You're voting in Arizona. You're voting in Nevada. You're voting in Georgia. You're voting in Wisconsin. You're voting in Ohio. And you see on the ballot, U.S. Senate. And you see the R and you see the D. If you ignore the name that's there, this is the main thing you have to know right now because it's going to affect the entire country. The president says, I want this or that done at the border. I don't want this or that done at the border. I want this law allowing all abortion right up through birth. I, I, I want that policy in regard to our, uh, our, our international relations. And, 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 and those senators are going to, they got the D after their name, they're going to vote for it. This is the way things are right now, brothers and sisters. And when it's split like it is 50-50, 
what state is going to send the 51st vote to the Senate and shift the entire balance of power, shift the makeup, the entire makeup of all the committees, determine what legislation not only is going to be passed, but is going to even have a vote in the first place. Of course, we still have the filibuster, but that's the other thing that gets determined with this magic number 51. Is the filibuster even going to remain in place? See, the filibuster is a, it's a protection of consensus. If you've got a 50-50 Senate and the filibuster's in place, then for all practical purposes, you need 60 votes to pass a piece of legislation. How are you going to get 60 votes? You have to get 10 people at least in the other party to agree with whatever that legislation says. Well, on most pieces of legislation, again, going back to this, you have pretty diverse opinions because you have very diverse worldviews and it's hard to get that crossover because they're looking no they're looking at their party platform they're also looking at their constituents their base back home the people who are going to have to either vote for them or vote against them and they're asking oh what do those people think and brothers and sisters for 10 to cross over if there's a party line divide on a particular piece of legislation Wow, somebody's going to have to create an awful lot of consensus where? Not just in this body of 100 men and women. you got to create an awful lot of consensus among the American people. That's the value of the filibuster is, you know, that the whole nation is not going down one road of policy today, and then we have an election that's going down a totally different role of policy the next day, and half the country at any given time is enraged because they think that policy is destroying the very basis of democracy, and sometimes they're right. But you've got to have some kind of mechanism that encourages and even requires a much bigger amount of consensus than we have now. Okay, so I'm going down a track here that is only tangential to the point here. 51 affects a lot of things, including whether that filibuster for legislative purposes will remain in place. Again, this is the question. Because again, a lot of people are thinking, they're thinking of, well, what's good for my state? And what's and what's the, 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 the characteristics or qualities of that particular Senate candidate. Well, okay, those are questions that have their own merit, but not the most importance. The most importance right now is, is your state gonna be the 51st seat either on the Republican side or on the Democrat side, which is gonna affect not only all the other 99 senators, it's gonna affect 330 million Americans. Let me go back to my chair here and uh, conclude with a few other thoughts. Voting machines. So what kind of, it's kind of what we're electing is voting machines. It's strange to say. It's not necessarily the ideal thing. I mean, it would be nice if more people in Congress would just independently evaluate the issue in front of them. Of course, listen to the people that they're there to represent, uh, but come to their own judgment. But you wouldn't believe, well, of course, many of you would because you know this as well as I do, but the kind of pressure, I mean, I've seen it up close. I've had members of Congress talking to me about the kind of pressure that they face from party leadership. You wouldn't believe some of the conversations I've had in, re in regard to abortion. When, when uh, you know, the Republicans have had this in the House, on the House side, 
Because the dynamics are, are very similar here, House and Senate. On the House side, they had this discharge petition, it's called, when the party leadership doesn't want to have even a vote or a debate on a particular issue, but a majority of the members do, they can, they can file a discharge petition, and if a majority of the members vote for it, that issue is going to come for, to a debate and a vote, even if the party leadership doesn't want it. So there's been a discharge petition on the floor of the House now for years that has said, okay, let's increase the protections afforded by law for babies that are born alive despite a failed abortion at any stage of pregnancy. Okay, so now you're not talking about an unborn baby. You're talking about a born baby. And how much does the law protect them? Well, not as much as we might think. It's a scattered kind of protection. It's a checkerboard kind of scenario, but in a lot of places in our country, that protection is not what one might expect it to be. So why not increase it? No, Democrat members of Congress don't want that. The party leadership doesn't want that. They don't even want to discuss it. Well, some of the conversations I've had with a couple of the, uh, this was in the last Congress, a couple of the uh, members who uh, wanted to cross over and sign that discharge petition. Wow, the blowback they got from Pelosi. Oh boy. The pressure these people face from the party leadership, very, very significant. But who's going to be the party leadership? It depends on that 51st seat in the Senate. It depends on the 218th seat in the House. Who's going to be that party leadership? Because again, whether which party controls the majority That's the party from which, in the House, the third position in the U.S. government comes from. The Speaker of the House, you got President and Vice President, who's next in line? Speaker. Very powerful position. And they control a lot of what goes on on the House floor, and they appoint people to other positions of leadership in the Congress. House Speaker is a very powerful position, just like Majority Leader in the Senate. And brothers and sisters, your state, of course, all the, all, all the states that are having Senate races affect this. It's just that some states decide sooner rather than later in terms of where the, how the majority of their citizens are going to vote. But you've got these close Senate races again, and you know who you are. But any of you that know people in these other states, get them thinking this way. Georgia. Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona. Get them thinking this way. It's about the balance of power. It's not about how much you like the candidate or even what the candidate says or even how he or she is going to vote on a particular issue. It's not even that. Let's get them thinking this way, friends. Let's pray. Father, we, we are facing so many important decisions in this election, so many dynamics that that are going on, so many uh, consequences, Lord, to to the votes. And with an evenly divided Senate and with a narrowly divided race, Lord, it could come down to a handful of citizens in one state, a handful of citizens in one state, determining what kind of policy ends up happening in the entire United States for years to come. Lord, what an awesome responsibility you give to a free people. 
What a tremendous burden you place on the voters in this republic. May we rise to that responsibility. May we carry that burden with the wisdom and the strength that come from your spirit. May we not evaluate these things, Lord, in a petty or selfish way. Help us to raise the thinking of our fellow citizens, to see the broader implications, to think big and wide, and to have our eyes wide open. Give us wisdom, give us understanding, and help us to influence as many other voters as possible in these final weeks. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's pray to the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Father Frank Pavone here of Priest for Life. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. I hope you're on Truth Social. You'll find me there on Getter and the other major platforms. FR Frank Pavone. Follow Right Side Broadcasting, too, at RSB Network. And friends, remember what President Trump always tells us. We are part of the greatest political movement in American history. It's a joy to be part of it. And this country doesn't belong to those that are trying to destroy it. It belongs to you. So have confidence. The greatest days of America are yet to come. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.